Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255 or text 580-580. With Frank Napolitano and Paul Rushforth, here is Steve Gregory. Now this is a fabulous day. Before I even begin, Frank, I just want to thank you for the five-course breakfast you had brought in today. It was unbelievable. You smell it? Yeah, the, yeah. Smell it? The, the clean air in the, the, yeah. in the studio? Clean Love air. It. Lots of room in here. Yeah. Quiet. Oh, whatever, boys. Whatever. Nobody chirping at us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. How are you guys? We are good. Where are you calling us from, dare I I'm ask? Not, <laughs> I'm not like Frank. I'm not down south somewhere. All right. Uh, no, I'm just calling in today. I uh, have a very important meeting um, with a uh, East End builder right after this. So I didn't have time to get down to the studio and get back and meet with the builder. Um, so, yeah, some very, very, very exciting news. We're, um, we're taking over a couple, uh, couple subdivisions for uh, C.H. Clement, a uh, big builder in the East End of Ottawa. Uh, we got about uh, 84 condos in, in Embrum and about 68 townhomes in Rockland that we're, uh, we're going to be listing. So um, <clears throat> I thought it was, uh, it was worth making sure I was on time for this meeting. Wow. Go over those numbers again. How many? <clears throat> so there's a, there's a project in Embrum that has 84 condos. So there's uh, seven buildings of 12 condos. I believe that's 84. Frank, you know your math better than I do. Um, so we're taking over that three of the buildings, four of the buildings are already ready to go uh, and, and start selling the, the condos. Gorgeous condos, too, with nice wood beams and just really, really gorgeous condos. And then in uh, in Rockland, the at the Rockland Golf Course there, uh, there's beautiful condos there. And they're, they have some beautiful townhomes, too, that are going to be on the golf course. So it's going to be really nice. We're doing 84 condos in Embrum and 68 townhomes in Rockland. Uh, and that's for very, very good, reputable builders, C.H. Uh, Clement. Um, and, uh, you know, they do about 110 to 130 homes a year. Uh, so we're very, very happy with that. The great, great, classy product, uh, very unique, nice high-end upgrades. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I hope you made your deal because you just sold them all. Uh-huh. <laughs> hope you signed a contract. By the way, it's Ambre. Ambre. And, and listen, when I said his name to C.H. Clement, but you know, I, for, for some of the English people out there, it's Clement, right? So I just wanted to make sure that, uh, that you know, that the name got out there. But so the C.H. stays the same, correct? The CH stays the same no matter if it's English or Must French, be a Habs so. fan with the CH. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, so it's going to be very exciting. So. Well, that's neat. That's uh, Yeah. Is this a first for you? No, we've uh, I've sold lots of product for uh, Brazil uh, as well as Debcor. Uh, so we've sold some product for, for some builders. Uh, you know, for the longest time going through COVID, nobody needed us, right? I mean, the builders, yeah. were, selling, the builders were selling with their eyes closed, but... It's just amazing how many builders reach out to the uh, to the realtors in Ottawa now because they're you know they're struggling just like everybody else. And uh, but I was really excited about this one because I mean I've known the name for for quite a few years and he's a uh, a good reputable builder that doesn't just sell you know two or three or four or ten a year. He's you know he's doing 120. The goal is to get up to 150, 180. Uh, so that's the goal. And um, yeah, so we're we're going to take it to the next level for them and hopefully get some of this product sold and keep going. They have they have capacity for hundreds more units uh, out at that Rockland golf course as well. So speaking of new builders, construction starts way up in February. I mean, it, it, this is, uh, this is good news for Ottawa. It's really good news, but they're also keep in mind though, Steve, that they're, they're making it a little bit easier for builders right now, which is great. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a project going in Orleans right now that there's a lot, a lot of people that are not very happy with it. They're jamming in. I think don't quote me on the numbers. It was somewhere between 80 to a hundred uh, um, high density homes 
affordable housing. Uh, the problem is there's not uh, not parking for that many units. So it's it's become a little bit unpopular here in Orleans, but I like what the builders are trying to do. I like what the city's trying to do. They're trying to push building and get more shovels in the ground and get more product. Because, you know, we talk about by 2024, I mean, there's already 400 and some thousand uh, immigrants coming to Canada right now. Well, the goal is by 2024 to be making, to be going up to 500,000 immigrants every year coming into Canada. So, you know, just Toronto gets their fair share, you know, Montreal gets their fair share, but so does Ottawa get their fair share. So, you know, if we're getting all those immigrants coming to Ottawa, we're already short on housing. Where are we putting them all? So they have to start building at a, at a, at a faster pace. So I like to see that it's, uh, you know, there's projects going ahead. I mean, even though it's not popular in certain places, but there's projects going ahead. We need shovels in the ground if we want to accommodate all these immigrants, as well as all these other people that are eventually going to get into this housing market once these rates come down a little bit. Yeah, not only immigrants, because the population in Canada went up a million people last year. Uh, mostly immigrants. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you know, the stat uh, came out uh, this week or, or the week before where... Um, it's interesting. I mean, people are coming into the country, but what's happened is a lot of the students that were here on student visas ended up staying. So instead of them going back to their home countries, they ended up staying and, and, and applying for residency. So uh, uh, close to a million people just in the last 14 or 15 months have, yeah. uh, have remained in Canada. We're almost so. at 40 million now. Crazy, eh? Yeah. Crazy. I remember hitting 30 million. It wasn't that long ago. So oh, I remember 20, <laughs> but I don't want to tell you that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. I remember Ottawa being five hundred thousand. Now we're over a million. So, yeah. so yeah. yeah. So now it's it's finding where to put everybody, right? It's it's just with so many people moving into Canada, moving into you know Ontario, moving into Ottawa. Where are we putting all these people? And that's why it's uh, we need property. And like even as we see the listings, you know, start to increase. I mean, we're up to twenty eight hundred and change listings on the market, which is super low for this time of year. But you think, geez, twenty eight hundred listings. That that seems like a lot of listings on the market. Well, not when you have this many people moving into the city. Like it's not it's nothing on the market. Well, know? and considering this is the last weekend of March, you think it'd be yeah. much much higher. Do you think flipping into April is going to change people's mindsets at all? I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. I mean, when I looked at the numbers for the, the the weekly numbers, the new listings dropped for the last two weeks. Sold properties remain kind of flat. The average sale price actually dropped a little bit. So. There are listings hitting the market, just not at a fast enough pace. But, you know, 2,800 listings. I mean, if you were someone who had, you know, 30-some thousand buyers in your database, those should be gone for sure. Yeah, but if you want to move by the end of the school year, you might as well buy right now, right? We're only talking about three months away. Well, Steve, to be honest with you, we're already seeing, we're starting to see certain certain areas are going into multiple offers. So we're already starting to see a little bit of shift in the market. There's a, like I've mentioned over the last few weeks, there's a lot of optimism right now. And I've, you know, I, I've shot videos before and I've talked about it on the radio where, you know, you have that six month window and I dropped that down to a three month window. I'm already seeing the shift. So, you know, I've been saying it for a while now. It, it's time that you're sitting on the fence. It's time that you get into this market because it could, we could be sitting here in the next three weeks saying, do you remember three weeks ago when I told people to get into the market? It's too late now. It's too yeah. late. They should have got in three weeks ago. So don't make that mistake. If you find something you like, uh, prices are prices are a little bit depressed right now, but they're starting to shift. I'm interested to see when the numbers come out for March to see, you know, what where we are at. I mean, you know, the average sale price at the end of February was 631. When you look at year to date, it's 623. Interesting to see. I mean, we're definitely going to be down the number of sales and we're definitely going to be down compared to March of last year. But at the same time, I do see our, our average sale price starting to, to shift a little bit, and it's it's time to get back into that market. You think we've hit the bottom of the uh, 
low prices now for homes? Do you think that they're going to start tweaking up? No, I think we, I think we've hit the bottom. Yeah. I, mean, I just, you know, that last rate announcement in March, uh, if that was negative, then I think we would have been, you know, we would, we could have potentially regressed a little bit more. But that one being positive, even though you know staying stationary is, is considered positive after eight rate hikes. But I just think once people realize that you know you know we stabilized a little bit, I feel like we've hit the bottom, and I think we're going to start to skyrocket again. So it's uh, we we definitely hit the bottom, in my personal opinion. What do you see, Frank? Do you see people knocking on your door for pre-approvals again? Uh, yes, but uh, again, people are still sitting a little bit on the sidelines. They want to know that they're pre-approved, but they but they feel. Most people feel that interest rates are on their way down. It was interesting. We had a we had a uh, mortgage professionals can that was in town on Tuesday. We had a symposium with a number of great speakers, who were very well attended, and um, it was interesting to hear different points of view. And that's what you get when we're in an environment like we are today, where you know one one once somebody will say that they expect Bank of Canada to drop two or three times this year, and then the other one will say not until next year. So it's just interesting to see the different points of view from everyone. We do know that, and everybody as a whole feels like we've peaked. When it comes to Bank of Canada Prime, there's not a lot of room for it to go up another quarter point. The likelihood is very, very low. Um, you know, we've seen oil come down below $70 a barrel. We haven't necessarily seen it at the gas pumps yet, but it certainly has happened. Um, we've seen bond markets go from a, a month ago, I could tell you the five year bond was at 3.65%. Yesterday closed at 2.8%. So that's a significant drop in 30 days. Again, we haven't seen the banks or many of the lenders pass this on to Canadians yet, but we're, we're going to see it, I think, in the next week or so. Um, and there's still the fears of a lot of the regional banks in the U.S. being in trouble. That'll be interesting to see, not to mention the fact that inflation's on its way down, supply is back up, uh, and a recession is looming, and a maybe a, a deeper recession than many think. So... Uh, all in all, if you look at it, I still, and I still say to clients, you know, looking at a variable, I understand that there's some short-term pain right now, but if you truly believe what's being said, and even the Bank of Canada's come out and said that, you know, we got to get to that that inflation target, and I think we're going to be there towards the second half of this year, then we should start to see Bank of Canada retract on their on their uh, rate hiking and and pausing and actually start to come down. And we'll start to see Canadians feel comfortable about getting a mortgage again. So, but I think the spring market. Listen, we got two weeks until Easter. Uh, I think once the Easter weekend passes, and by then, hopefully, the snow will be gone, and then I think we'll start to see some activity within our real estate industry, which will be the second week of April. You don't see prime coming down more than twenty-five points at a time. <laughs> no, I don't. Now, again, it all depends on how deep the recession is and and, and what the numbers look like. If unemployment jumps significantly, that's when I think we're, Bank of Canada potentially could drop it by half a point. But I see little quarter percent increments, just maybe just as frequent as we saw over the last 12 months. But unfortunately, they were doing half point and three quarters yeah. of a point. But I see quarter point decreases coming more regularly. So what's what the I best see. rate now? Prime minus what? You see lenders still a prime minus one, which again, prime 6.7, so you're at 5.7. Not horrible. That being said, I mean, you know, we've got lenders that are close to 4.5% on a five-year fixed, which sounds appealing. Yeah. And it is. In Compared comparison. to, yeah. And it is. But I, I, there's still, deep down inside of me, I still feel that if you take a five-year at 45 and listen, if that's what makes you sleep at nighttime and that's what you want, that's okay. 
But I still feel that a year from now you're going to kick yourself and say, maybe I should have taken a risk and gone with the variable because now the five-year rates are in the threes. Well, you say risk. What do you think the percentage of risk is there? Well, we don't know. Listen, if you asked me a year ago whether Prime would be at, at 6.7 or 4.5 for Bank of Canada, I'd say you're crazy. Yeah. Like, like, what do you, like, that's crazy. I knew inflation was hitting, but we never, ever, ever have seen Bank of Canada be so aggressive at raising prime rate the way they were over that eight hike <clears throat> cycle that they went through. So, you know, the quarter point that they did in January was the smallest of them all. They were all half, three quarters of a percentage Which point. Which were so, pretty much unheard of before then. Very unheard of. And, uh, you know, the only thing that we saw is drops that significant, but only when, you know, the financial crisis happened in 2008 and only when the pandemic hit in 2020. Otherwise, they typically move in quarter percent increments. So, and never more than fifty. And never more than fifty. The seventy-five was way out there. Yeah. And and uh, you know, nice to see the Feds this week again. The markets reacted to the Feds only raising a quarter point, which to them saw them in the states. Yeah, in, in in the states, which meant to them that that was a signaling that even the U.S. Treasury Department is worried about a recession hitting in the second half of this year. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We will be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back. Paul Rushforth here, Frank. Well, sort of. Frank Napolitano here. <laughs> you sell all those properties yet, Paul? <laughs> well, I hope so. You we, know, we've been gone for a couple of minutes yeah. here. You know what? To be honest with you, they they should. Uh, I mean, they should really sell themselves. They're a beautiful product. Really, really nice product. What is selling now? What do you mean? What's selling now? Like what type of product? Uh, yeah, no. Are we into co- more condos, more townhomes, more single-family homes, or is it an even split? Well, last year when we went through this crazy period, the condos were super popular, mainly because of the price point, right? People were, you know, the townhouses were, you know, priced out of the market. They were, you know, anyone who was, you know, looking at that five and six hundred thousand dollar townhome was now gone. Those townhomes were seven, seven fifty. Um, so you had to move into a condo if you wanted to get into the market. Now we've seen the townhouses have come down in price. The small singles have come down in price. You know, rather than getting a small single for you know eight nine hundred grand, you're now getting them for you know six fifty to seven fifty. Uh, townhomes are there's some townhomes in the fives and some in the mid sixes and low sixes. So people are now can afford that product again. So you're seeing people moving into townhomes again. Uh, you're seeing people uh, you know move into those small singles. So it's becoming a much more popular product with the exception of a few areas in the city that are saturated with townhouses and small singles. And I don't know if builders were just, you know, only building that one product in that area or what it was, but there's some areas that are still saturated in, in, in townhomes and small singles. And then there's others that you can't even get your hands on them. So it's, you know, when we do numbers through the city and we're, you know, we get a call from someone from all these different areas to, to come list their property we really have to dissect that area before we could have maybe gone a little more broad, but now we can't because in certain areas, there's nothing on the market in certain areas. There's too much on the market. So you really have to dissect those markets and, and, and tailor your listing approach to that market. Now, I don't want to sound like a bunch of old guys here, but how old were you when you bought your first house, Paul? Uh, I was still playing pro hockey. So I really, what I bought was my, uh, sort of like a, a summer home, which was my cottage. And I would have been 21 or two, 22, maybe you Frank. Twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, I think I was twenty three as well. Yeah. That's not happening at all, is it? Not no. very much. I don't think no. so. No, uh, it's you know, hard not. to qualify. I had tell you, I mean, I, I, I mean, some people are really, really. I mean, I had a young lady call. She's twenty years old. 
still in college and looking to buy her first house with 5% down, but turn it into a rental and no income. And, you know, again, learning, right? I mean, very, very, very focused on building wealth through real estate, but you gotta, you gotta have an income, you know. How long do you have to work now before a bank will look at you? Depends on the job. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not black and white. So, you know, you can have a job for three or four months. Uh, and depending on the field that you're in, a, a lender or bank could, could look at it positively. Um, you know, a teacher, a healthcare professional. I mean, those are jobs that are always in need. So that's what they look at is, is, is whether Security. the job is, is uh, uh, you know, there's lots of openings out there. So that even if you went from this job to somewhere else, that job is out there. So, What about self-employed these days? Self-employed is tougher. Um, self-employed, I mean, I always say to clients, if you're self-employed, uh, you know, we've got programs where we can do what's called stated income. And what stated income is, you know, we can look at somebody and depending on what they do, you know, and, you know, one of the things that we see a lot of today is Uber drivers, right? Whether they're delivering food or people, I mean, that's, you know, it's big business today. And, uh, you know, most lenders have accepted the fact that Uber drivers can make some really good coin. What's What they really like about Uber is Uber provides statements to the to their drivers specific statements of how much they get paid. So, you know, even though you're technically you're self-employed, a lot of lenders will ask for six months, maybe 12 months of bank statements, see what kind, what your income was like and be able to use that in certain programs and buying with as little as 10% down. I mean, I've, you know, we've done mortgages for clients that are self-employed that, you know, we can do 10% down and not 5%. We've had them call and we say that program's not available for five, but it's available for 10% down of your own money cannot be a gift. And uh, again, what they look at is they look at the the twelve months bank statement. So regardless of the fact that you write everything off, they're able to look at what you do, look at the bank statements, and say, you know what, we're comfortable using eighty thousand as an income, even though your personal income tax return could show you net it down to forty. But why do they care if it's a gift or not? If you're making enough money on its salary, it, to them they look at it more. Uh, you know, if you're self-employed and you're making the money that you're saying you're making, you should have the ability to save the down payment and not get it as a gift. So. Well, we're really not that exceptions can't be made on that stuff, but that's you know that gives you a favorable advantage. The same thing as your credit score. I mean, I get a lot of self-employed people that tell me they make so much, then their personal tax return says differently, and I say, okay, like show me your bank statements, and then the bank statements are fairly healthy, but then you look at their credit and they miss credit card payments and they miss they're late on things, and it's like, but now you've eliminated the opportunity for you to be able to qualify with ten percent down because your credit requirements don't meet the minimal needs and the fact that now the lender's looking at it saying, if you're making all this money and you're trying to tell us that you're making this much money to use for a mortgage application, why are you missing payments? So if you have a good credit score, but it shows you've missed a payment or two, they're still going to look at that. They'll look at it, but it all depends. If it's a one-off, that's one thing. But if, if there's consistent lates, then that's where, you know, the red flag goes up. If, you, if you've missed mortgage payments ever in the future, that's a huge red flag today for lenders because lenders are all about giving out the money and never having to worry about collecting it back. Yeah. And if they've got to call you and email you to say that, hey, you're behind a payment, that's an expense for them. And if they have an expense, they're not interested. That's the difference. So if you're independently wealthy like Paul is, no problem? 
No problem. I mean, you know, you know, they, they, you know, if they listen to the show, the lenders say, "Well, the guy's got to be keeping his money. He never buys breakfast." So, you know, that that gives him an advantage. Does right that help there. your credit score? Not buying breakfast. Yeah, of course it does. Right. So, so if he doesn't even buy breakfast, then that guy definitely doesn't buy a lot of other stuff outside of breakfast. So. Not you only not breakfast, he no. didn't even spend money on gas no, today. No, not even gas today. So You know how nice it is to wake up and not have to leave the house to get to the studio? We That's did it for two and a half years, yeah, I know. You, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did it for two and a half years. Remember, Steve was in here all alone, and yep. and we were at home doing it. It yeah, was yeah. nice, though. I will say it was nice. It's not as good as being in person. In no. person's really, really good where we can feed off each other. Uh, but uh, definitely, especially in the winter months, didn't hurt not to have to drive downtown. Well, the next Absolutely. thing best to, to not all of us being in person is just you and me being. Yeah, there. oh yeah. Like like I said, the <laughs> studio's fantastic. <laughs> we will be right back. Five two one talk. Five two one eight two five five. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. You sell anything while we were away, Paul? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. But you know what? You know what's funny? I've been looking at numbers this morning when I first got up, and something that really stood out to me was is, is the, how depressed we are number of sales over the last probably, well, at least the last year. I, I, historically, I went back to, you know, when our listings started to rise a little bit. And back in 1999, we sold 11,329 homes. And then, you know, we went up to 12 and then eventually 13, then 14. The last, in 2016, we sold uh, just under, just over 15,000 homes. In 2021, we sold 20,000 homes. And last year, we sold 15,000 homes again. So we're back to where we were in like 2016 and actually not far off where we were in 04, 05, 06, 07. So and and already year to date we're down thirty seven percent. So, we're but if you take the last two three years out of that, but yeah. but I will say this though. I mean, our city's gone from you know five hundred thousand to a million people, so there's significantly more homes. So that number should be higher. But I think what I'm finding is people are are okay to stay in their current homes for longer than they originally planned. Yeah, it never so even, used to be like that. So even first-time well, home buyers would be three years, four years. They graduate from a townhouse to a single home as they started their family. Today, you're seeing people staying in their townhomes for 10 years. And even though they've had two kids in that 10 years, they're okay to stay in their townhome because of all the costs around them. Everything else is so much more expensive that they're having a hard time justifying selling that townhouse and going up to a single home. And and let's be honest, if they bought that townhome ten years ago, they probably paid two seventy five for it, right? If, three or three hundred, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So so you know they're sitting there going, really? Do we want to upgrade to a six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollar house? You know, our house is you know about a hundred thousand dollars from being paid off. Or so there's a lot of people that actually are spending more money upgrading their houses, not upgrading to move, but upgrading is in renovating Enjoy their it. house to enjoy it the way they want it. There's more people put, I have a buddy who owns a pool company and he said he's never seen so much demand for pools and hot tubs ever. Whereas people before, you know, you buy a house and you're like, is this our forever home? Maybe we won't put that, you know, hundred thousand dollar pool and landscaping in, uh, but there's a lot. You never get that money back, right, Paul? I mean, you put the pool, you're not getting that money back. So if you're going to, if you're going to go to that investment to put a pool in, you're definitely not going to sell the house the year after. 
So, hundred percent. As I was rudely interrupted there, I was about to go go in that direction. But anyway, <laughs> but you're right. There's more people now who are saying to themselves, you know what, this isn't our forever home, but I don't really care to upgrade right now. Let's put some money into our house. Let's put that pool in that we really want, that we've always wanted to enjoy. Uh, so we're we're seeing a lot of renovations and upgrades to their to what their house looks like uh, is what is people are doing right now. And there's not a lot of people moving, and we're seeing that in the numbers. We're definitely, definitely seeing it. You know, you think about the States. I had a conversation with Jocelyn the other day and our, one of our real estate coaches is from the States and they have 30 year mortgages, right? So if they got into a mortgage in the, in the twos and they're locked in for 30 years yeah. and now the rates are in the sevens, would you move? I wouldn't. I'd be like, no. You know what though? Thinking has changed too, Paul, because back uh, baby boomers and shortly after, there was some pressure to get bigger and better. Pressure to get, you know, my neighbor's got this, I want this, my, my brother, my sister. They, you just naturally move to a bigger and bigger and bigger house. And that now has changed along with lifestyle. Lifestyle lifestyle's completely changed where the focus isn't necessarily on getting that big house anymore. Well, keep in mind, the millennials are the offspring of the baby boomers, right? So what's happened there is they grew up watching, you know, mom and dad try to keep up with the Joneses. They had to have the bigger cars and the bigger houses and the more toys. And they watched their parents struggle trying to keep up with the Joneses. And the millennials said to themselves, I don't want that for myself. I want small. I want compact. I want no maintenance. I, I don't even care to have a car. You know, so we're, that's what we're seeing right now is, is, is a lot of these millennials watched how their parents kept up to the Joneses and they didn't want that anymore. So and that's where we had that big demand until COVID. The big demand was on the small and compact. And nobody wanted the yards. Nobody wanted the country properties. Nobody wanted the big properties. COVID changed that a little bit as families moved in together. People wanted more space so they could social distance. Um, so there was a demand for the country, for the bigger properties, for the acreages. And, you know, now that COVID's, well, I would never say COVID will never be over. But now that, you know, we're actually living normal now. We're, we might see a little bit. We haven't seen it yet. We've slowly started to see a bit of a shift, but we might see the shift away from the bigger acreages and bigger properties and, you know, the, the country living. We might see that shift. As of right now, we haven't seen it, um, you know, because there's still people working from home. But it's, you know, I, I, there's, there's still always going to be a demand because of the millennials on the small product, the compact product. And that's why a lot of builders, if you go to their show centers and their show homes, a lot of the builders now, their show homes are, small, they're other townhomes, they're small singles. Very rarely do you see the, you know, the 3,300 to 3,500 square foot homes being a show home anymore. They're, they're showing the small and compact because our largest cohort in history is the millennials. And the millennials are driving the, driving the, 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 the bus and they want small and compact. The bargains out, out of the city have, have squeezed too. They're not as good as they used to be, right? The, the what, sorry, the bargains? Yeah, you used to be able to go, go out of town and get a screaming deal on a property. But since yeah. COVID, now that that gap has shrunk as well. Well, put it this way: so I'm, I'm selling these t- these townhomes, like I told you, in Rockland, and um, I did a little bit of homework on what's going on in Rockland, and there is lots of building going on. Like, there's a lot of builders in, and some of them are track builders in 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 outskirts. Because what's happened is even building in the city, the permits, you know, all the all the soft costs for builders in the city in the city of Ottawa is awful. I mean, I have a buddy who's a builder that anytime I find him a lot, he's like, please tell me it's not in the city of Ottawa. Because if it is, I don't want it. You know, because it's, it's just the red tape in the city of Ottawa. You go a little bit to the outskirts and you're not part of the city of Ottawa. 
and there's less red tape. It's easier to get shovels in the ground. Permits are cheaper. You can build cheaper. Uh, and there's a lot of people who still can't afford suburbia and they're moving to the outskirts where it's a little bit more affordable. However, that gap has shrunk. It's definitely shrunk. I mean, you used to be able to get a, you know, a townhome in, in suburbia for 325 or you go to the outskirts to get one for 185 Well, those days are long gone now. I mean, these townhomes that we're selling are in, in Rockland are in the fives. Yeah, that's know? what I'm saying. That, that difference has shrunk now. It's totally shrunk. It's totally shrunk. I mean, you're, that's one of the conversations I had with the builder about these townhomes. I said, guys, you have to give people from suburbia a reason to move out here. And if it's not price, is it quality? If it's not quality, it's got to be price, right? So it's you, you got to give them a reason to move out of there. And and but the problem is, like you say, Steve, is the the, the numbers have shrunk, like the gap has shrunk for sure. It used to be a couple hundred thousand. Now it could be anywhere from you know fifty to seventy to hundred, and, and and that's not a big gap for some people. What are you noticing with new mortgages, Frank? Are you seeing people still moving out to the outskirts? Uh, we're seeing it less and less, especially as the work to the office starts to to gain some steam. <laughs> Uh, which it seems to, and certainly will continue to gain steam as we get back to normal. Uh, you know, it feels like normal, but you still see the odd person with masks on, and some people wear masks forever now. But you know, at the end of the day, when you go, some out, people should, like Paul. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, well, it's you, guys, us. you guys know I'm on the show. Eh? Oh yeah, 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 yeah I forgot. Yeah, sorry, it's <laughs> us who needs to wear the masks when we're in studio with him. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's nice not to have one today. But uh, you know what? I mean, from a from a standpoint of of mortgages, I mean, from a lender perspective, listen, I mean, whether they're in the outskirts or not, it doesn't matter because we've come accustomed to people living in Ottawa, but yet their company is based out of Toronto or Vancouver, and it doesn't matter. They don't ask the questions like they used to. How is it possible for them to be working for a company that their office is in Toronto when they're in Ottawa? So so that's been really good, which has allowed people to work from the outskirts and get more land if they want and get houses for better values. But, you know, uh, Italians got this right. A second kitchen adds a lot of value to a home. So uh, I, I think, I, you know, I just, you know, every time I go to my mom and dad's house, I mean, it's, I, I think it's fantastic that there's a second kitchen down there because we love to eat. And by the way, Paul, we are not rude. We talk over each other. That's what Italians do. So it's not rude. It's normal for us. So, so. <laughs> Well, Paul, you you know that Frank doesn't like to talk for what? <laughs> oh no, he never liked to talk, Frank. No, no but uh, you know what? Mortgage rates, um, we've seen them come down, which is really encouraging. Not this week, though, right? Well, this week we saw we've seen some of the lenders uh, drop theirs a little bit. Like I said, we're we're pretty well at four and a half for a high ratio or less than sixty five percent loan to value mortgage. Uh, you know, there's lenders out there that are that are really pushing the limits. So an example is, especially with interest rates have, have gone up. So there are lenders out there that if you've got – so if you bought a property five years ago and you bought it with 5 10% down and it's insurable, so it was insured, and now with the equity that you've built, you're back over 65%. There are lenders out there that even though your amortization is 20 years, because the interest rates have gone up and, and you're looking to keep your payments similar, they'll allow for the mortgage to go back up to 25 years without it costing the client anything. And that's huge for a lot of customers because they're really starting to feel the pinch – the cost of everything else outside of their mortgage is so much more. And for them, that little bit of relief, just to gain that extra five years of amortization now, goes a long way for them to being able to make that decision. So the current lender doesn't let you do it, but other lenders will let you do it. And the banks aren't doing it, but other non-bank lenders, which are funded by the banks, are doing it. So yet another reason to call a mortgage broker. So today. if you had an insured mortgage and you had a 25-year amortization, Yep. Is that the maximum you could go back to? Could you get 25. it to 30? You could, 
but then you're doing an actual refinance and then the rate's more expensive. So when I talk about the 4.5% for a five-year fixed, that's assuming you stay within the insurable limits, which is 25 years. If you go non-insured, which is 30-year amortization, yes, but then your rate's 5.09, 5.19. So there's a significant difference in trying to stay in the insurable. And listen, banks aren't offering this. So if your mortgage is with one of the big banks, you're likely not getting this offer. That's why, again, I, I encourage people, this is your biggest debt, and we've seen the largest increase in interest rates in, in decades. And if your mortgage, unfortunately, bad timing, that's all it is, your mortgage coming up for renewal uh, this year, I think it makes so much sense to contact a mortgage broker. Just before we go to break, does anybody get an open mortgage anymore? There's open mortgages, but extremely expensive. But what, that's what I'm asking. So what are we talking? Expensive? Seven, eight, nine percent. So not cheap. So not worth it even for two months or three months if you think these rates are coming down? Well, again, that's where the variable makes sense. I mean, I mean, you don't have to go to seven, eight, nine percent. You can get a variable in the fives somewhere. Yeah. And again, a variable rate mortgage uh, for anybody that's listening doesn't mean you're locked into a variable for five years. You're locked into that institution for five years, but you can convert it to a fixed mortgage at any time without any cost. All right, one final segment to go, and then we get to let Paul go to his big meeting. Wow. Although I still don't know why you're going to that meeting. Yeah, I'm two sure kitchens, they're all sold Paul. by now, Paul. Two kitchens. Tell him to put two kitchens in there. He'll, he'll sell way faster. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back. Paul Rushforth, Frank Paltano. This is Steve Gregory. All right, so we're at the end of the month. Paul, what do you think March is going to show us? Well, keep in mind, last March, our average sale price was at 575000 557000 sorry. Uh, and we're probably going to be hovering around the I don't know, maybe 630 mark. So we're going to be drastically down compared to March of last year. But keep in mind, March was also our peak last year. Number of sales in March last year was 2004. You know, in February, we did 855. Yeah, we'd have to clear out every listing to get there. We'd have to clear out every listing. So it's our numbers in March are going to be drastically down. But, you know, I don't like to compare March over March because we, what we saw last Jan, Feb, March, and April was, was an anomaly. Was, was like, it's hard to even use them as a comparable. I like to see, I want to see that, listen, our average sale price in February year to date was 623. I want to see that number move up. You know, I'm not going to look at the 757 in March. I want to see the number over February. I wanted to see it go up over January. I want to see it go up. That's how I know we're going in the right direction if we see those numbers come up. The only concerning part is the number of sales. I mean, if we look year to date at the end of February, we were only at 1,450 um, homes sold in two months. Like, it's not a lot of homes. I mean, we, some months we do that easily in a month, no problem. So it's concerning a little bit. That's why we need to get some product on there. We need to get people moving. We need to get sales happening. And I think it will. But I think what we've seen probably over the last, you know, three, four years is is not really normal. I mean, and... 2019, we went up 8.4%. Our average sale price went up 8.4%. And that was a massive year. But then we went up 19.9 and then 22 and then last year, seven. So we're, we're seeing some big years. And I think this year is going to be a tough year. But we knew it was going to be a tough year. I like to see how we're doing in a rebound. And that's what we're doing right now. We're slowly starting to rebound. 
will we do what we did in the last Jan, Feb, March, and April? No, it's not going to happen. I mean, we went up over a hundred thousand dollars in four in four quick months, right? So it's that's not going to happen again. But so realistically, what should we be comparing it to, so that we don't get sticker shock when these numbers come out? Well, so I, I take 2020 and I take 2021 right out of it. When I'm trying to compare my team's success against those two years, yeah, it, it depresses me because we're way down compared to 20 and 21. If I take it out and I look at 2019 and 2018, that's a more realistic year. You know, in 2018, we went up 3.8%. 2019, we went up 8.4%. So we were starting to go a little bit higher there. Those are the years I'd like to, 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 to look at rather than 2020 and 2021. I mean, when I look at my, my volume and I, our personal volume and I look at our personal uh, commission income, I'm like, whoa, we're way down. But you got to throw those years out. I think Frank will tell you too. Like, I mean, his company was probably way up in those two years. And you got to kind of throw those numbers out a little bit and, and look what a more normal year looks like. Yeah, I think you have to look at what the environment gives us. I mean, in our case... You know, we're a little different than real estate agents where we've got clients that have their mortgages coming up for renewal. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time and a lot of mortgage brokers that I talk to have been saying, we're doing a lot of work and it doesn't feel like the results are there. And I will say to them, but the results will be there. You know, if their mortgages aren't coming due until June or July, the results will happen in June and July, even though you're having those conversations today and it feels like you're doing a lot of work, but you're doing actually good things. You really are doing good things. And by, you know, telling clients that, listen, if your bank or your lender is calling you and asking you and telling you that you should be early renewing your mortgage that's due in September to a, to today's rate and giving up your low rate that you have from five years ago, that's BS. Like, do not fall for that because you're locking in at rates when they're probably at their peak, which is right now. They've come down a little bit, but as opposed to Really, every single economist and even the RBC economist came out this week and said, we expect drops in the second half of this year, yet you've got their employees calling their renewals and saying that they should early renew today because rates may be higher come their renewal time. And it's total, like, you know, I think for us, we're trying to educate consumers and let them know that they don't have to early renew and it's okay to wait because you'll probably benefit from waiting. You get a but, sense you know, that rates are coming down this week, you said. I, I get a sense that rates have started to come. Well, we've already seen some of the lenders start to come down. And I sense that if if the bond market continues to stay where it's at right now, that some lenders, the big banks haven't dropped their rates. So they haven't dropped their posted rates. They technically send out mortgage renewals with extremely high interest rates. And then they say that let us know if you can get something better somewhere else and we'll see if we can match it. Well, that's hogwash. Like, what? Are you kidding me? No. Like, I've been a customer for 10 years, and i got to go somewhere else to see if you can get me a better rate. Why don't you just tell me what your best rate is, and then let me see if I can find something better. But if I find something better, I'm not coming back because you're lying to me if if you're telling me that this is your best rate, but there's something else there that you're not giving to me. So, um, you know, I just think that today – and it's not all about rate, and I want to talk about the fact that it's not all about rate. You know, for a mortgage broker, I think a lot of mortgage brokers will take the time to understand – what your future looks like. What does it look like? Do you want, you know, are you looking to retire in the next 10 years? So even though your mortgage is amortized over 15 years, you know, is there a way that we can get you to retirement? It's not all about the rate. It's about giving the right advice and, again, sticking by a plan that we may set out now, but knowing that you have to adapt if something changes down the road. Paul, if you take interest rates out of the equation, you think the market will be much, much better? 
Uh, when, Steve? Like right now? No, I mean, if, if we didn't have these higher interest rates. Well, first you, time home buyers, it would be. Do you think we would have gone through this lull at all? If, to be honest with you, if we didn't, if the interest rates didn't dampen this market, I don't know when the shut-up valve would have stopped. I really don't. Uh, I think as soon as we started having just the, the, the breath of real estate, uh, sorry, interest rates going up, the market slowed down a little bit. And then we had the first and second and third rate hike, and all of a sudden the market really slowed down. By the time we had, you know, they're then saying we're going to hike, we're going to basically re- uh, hike these rates forever until we can get inflation under 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 wraps. That, that was really tough. And that's when our market just really shut off. And now it's hard to churn it and get it back going again. But I think if you see interest rates start to come down, that tap is going to open. Maybe not full, but it's certainly going to open. That's why I'm telling people, get in now, because it's going to open. It's going to open fast. And one of the reasons is, is because when the rates come down, the prices are already down. So people can afford a lot more home now. And then you've got all the people that are sitting on the sidelines who can get in now. It's going to go skyrocketing and the prices are going to skyrocket. Yeah, and so is the competition, right? Yep, absolutely. Yep. Birthdays, Frank. Uh, I got a few. Um, um, Kay Coley, who uh, I won't say her age, but let's just say that she's the same age as you, Steve. So, oh, so that's young not and, and, and that's as, not pretty, as pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Renee, uh, one of our top uh, performers with Mortgage Brokers Auto, celebrating her milestone birthday today or yesterday. Um, family friends, Marco Ranieri, my nephew, Michael Knapp, uh, uh, and little Porter celebrating his 15th birthday. So happy birthday to them. And then want to send out our sincerest condolences, both Paul and I. I know he's at the he's been at the Paul Rushforth Golf Tournament, but uh, our good friend from Barwood uh, Flooring, Joe Falcone, passed away earlier this week. So sending out condolences to their entire family. Yeah, thanks for saying that, uh, uh, Frankie. I had him on my list as well. Joe Falcone is an amazing guy, part of the, far, the Barwood family. Uh, he's sported my golf tournament every year. Love the Italian Stallions. They come to the tournament every year. They're amazing people, and I'm really sorry to lose such an amazing man. Uh, I, I do have one birthday. One of my best friends in the whole world, Rick LeMay, has his 45th birthday today, and he's the salt of the earth and one of the best guys ever, so I hope he has a dynamic day today. Happy birthday, yeah, Rick. Happy birthday, Rick. What the hell is he hanging around with I you for? I was going to say, and he's your what? friend? What the hell? What's wrong well, with Rick? So what is wrong with Rick? Today? He needs better friends. Did I say today? I meant his birthday's on Monday, but I wanted to wish him a happy birthday today. I hope All right. Killer weekend. Happy birthday, Rick. Have a great week, folks. Have a great week. Support business, uh, local businesses and charities, everyone.